Hi, I'm Chief Bob Vasquez. And I'm Dr. Jose Lugo Santiago. Welcome to Leaders and Futures. Let us have a new kind of conversation, one about leading as futures emerge, are yet to happen, or plainly need to be reimagined. Someone has said that the best way to predict the future is to create it. Although it's impossible to predict the future, one thing is certain, you must lead in it. It's time to think differently about leading. This podcast is powered by the Institute for Leadership and Strategic Foresight. Let's get started with today's discussion on leaders and futures. Pues buenos dias, Dr. Lugo. Man, uh, it's been a whole week, I think, since we saw each other, and I am mm. so glad to see you. I'm yeah, using that word see because see, I really like that. that. Yeah, just to good see. Good morning, Chief. Yeah, and good afternoon. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you're cold, but you know, uh, yeah, I like that that thing about seeing. So, yeah. uh, so why why are you so focused today on that seeing? Well, you know, actually, I'm always focused on that because that's one of my uh, favorite topics, uh, the the power of vision, especially mm. if you are a supervisor. In fact, mm. I wrote a book that you published for me called uh. The Power of Supervision. It's on mm. Amazon. Not that I'm pitching it or anything, but... Uh, you're, you're obviously not. I'm certainly not. not. I'm not. Well, and, and I actually do a, a <laughs> workshop on that at the, as, as well. So if you, anybody's out there that says, hey, that would be a great workshop to have, well, get in touch with us at the Institute and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll connect with you. In fact, that <laughs> workshop you can get credit for it, right? I think. You, uh, oh you're yeah, the expert, uh, you, you get cre you, you college can. credit. Yes, for it. absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, you get uh, you know some of the people that some people are looking for you know professional development units. So this is a good way to you yeah. know get those professional development units if you have uh, certifications and stuff like that. You know, yeah, that's a great great opportunity. Plus, you learn something. Yeah. You learn that vision is not about uh, seeing. But it's a process. And I think what happens is that a lot of people, when they think about vision, they think about the vision statement. And, you know, we, we talked right. about this. Yeah. You know, uh, our, our vision is that we are going to be the number one on this and that. Yeah. And, and then the entire time, people are trying to figure out what does that mean being the number one? That's not a vision. You know, it's a vision statement. Right. But it is not a vision. And that's my complaint, I guess, when I'm thinking in talking through leaders about seeing the future, about about visioning, because when you're talking about vision statement, it implies that you have had some kind of visioning process. But what we see in many organizations is that what, what they think about uh, vision is a vision statement, but it came without really thought through as to what is going to happen, what is going to be moving in the future, and then what are we going to do to really decide on what is going to be the vision? We really saw it, and because we really saw it, this is not going to be a mission statement. That doesn't happen. That's a lack of supervision, supervision. in my mind. Yep, yep. Well, it's apropos that we're talking about vision, uh, especially today, since we just had uh, Martin Luther King Day. And his, uh, of course, mm. the most popular, I guess you could say, uh, uh, statement quote is, I have a dream. And that speech mm. was uh, incredible. And I'll tell you what, Lugo, I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, the uh, videos of the speech. And I've read about this, that he was reading his speech up until the point where he said, I have a dream. And then it was just from his heart. You know, he did have that vision, that dream. Uh, and he, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not an expert on uh, MLK, but I'm pretty sure he went through what you said through the process. I can see the end, but how do I get there? Well, 
that's where we miss it. I think. Yeah, yeah. You, you can dream all you want. Uh, I'm going to be. Oh, the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, I, I don't know that you know, but the Cowboys lost. Man. Now mm. hold, hold oh, on. Oh, oh, hold on. Really? Hold on. Let me wait, let me wipe wait. the tears. Well, let me wipe the tears, man. Because. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, we lost badly, man. I mean, it was amazing how badly we lost. But uh, mm. but nonetheless, and my and you in what I when I speak about vision, I always say if you can see it, you can be it. But I've added something lately because of what you said, how we've been thinking. If you can see it, you can be it. But you got to do the work. It's not just going to mm. happen, you know. And and that's where we. You're right, especially organizations. Uh, individuals and you know i'm more of the individual kind of guy you're more of the organization kind of guy but uh, even when you're trying to develop your own personal vision we forget yeah okay there it is but i gotta do the work to get there or else it won't happen you know and um and, and you're right uh, we, we missed that so uh, what's the process first uh, get my book hmm <laughs> and, and then so well then then you can call me and hire me to do a workshop for you how's that uh, okay okay but i want to focus on the other stuff <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah, okay so but uh you mentioned here that it is a process of seeing right and you mentioned martin luther king in his speech and And so, and, and you also mentioned that somehow, uh, it's just not in this in the in his speech written, right? There was something else, and and then you also asked a question, or maybe inquired. You said maybe, maybe he saw, maybe he saw something, right? And I was reading, obviously, uh, read a lot about Martin Luther King, his autobiography, and several other books. I've always thought that he was extremely inspiring. And that was because he was able to see. Because one of the things that he saw, he started talking about this. And just like you mentioned, he said, I have a dream and really saw it. And he said that it over, you know, this thing overtook him. And then he just went and he was uh, on fire, right? And, and, and we understand, giving his background, what that was. But this is what, I, what, what he said, right? Because you know, I, I pull it up in here so I could see what he saw. And, and he says uh, that, you know, uh, one day this nation will rise up and live out to the true meaning of its creed. Uh, he, towards the end, when he starts talking about, I have a dream, he started talking about the valleys. And he started looking about the geography of, of the land. Then he also started talking about, you know, the, uh, you know, kids of different colors just, just talking with each other, playing. Uh, with each other, uh, discussing at the table, at the same table, right? And I'm using my words in here, uh, you know, but uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm looking in here, he, he's talking about uh, black boys and black girls uh, will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. So he is seeing these things, right? And because he has seen these things, he's saying, you know what? That's a place where we can be. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. And so that is the power of being able to visualize something. But more than just visualizing it, we got to understand that as this vision, that, that, that vision that you see is also, uh, it, it's also near some of the other visions that other people see. And so the idea here is to understand how can we 
collaborate to make this future happen? Or how can we collaborate so all of us can get in some kind of agreement to understand that this is going to be the place where we are going to be the best? And, and then from there, then trying to understand along the way all of those things that could happen that can derail us from getting to that future. And then how are we going to manage those things? So that got to be part of the conversation. One of the things that that I tell uh, that we do, actually, as a matter of fact, of course, this is January of 2024. And since December, right, we've been working with organizations and we're going through the process of visualization, right? The, the vision process. And one of the things that we're doing is building these narratives and they are really building this whole narratives of how, how this future looks like in every detail. You're looking at the problems that they had, how these problems were solved. And because these problems were solved, these things happen. Other problems did not get solved and these things happen. And now more than just discussing these narratives of the future and thinking, you know, this is this is some kind of science fiction. No, we are informed about the present. We are also informed about what's changing in the environment. And based on that, we build these things. So this is a process of not just uh, building a science fiction novel. It is not. It is. That's why uh, back and uh, back in the fifties, we decided to call that a scenario, not you know, it's not a, a science fiction and stuff like that because that's when science fiction was taken over. We said, this is not it. We're looking at the plausibility of things that could happen in the future based on all these things that we are seeing that are changing the future. And based on that, what are our capabilities and can we build capabilities with others and get together and get to that place that this is the future we, we want to form? And can we do it? I guess like Bob the Builder, yes, we can, right? <laughs> and then we go there and do it together. That's the key. Yeah. But and I, I agree with you, Lugo, but that vision, I think that especially that vision for the organization, for all of us, not just for individuals, because we all have one, I think, but uh, that organizational vision comes from a sense of purpose. I think we talked about that just the last couple of episodes, you know, uh, and it, I, I don't know because I'm not in the workforce anymore, but my sense is more and more our culture and our society has gone to the, uh, re remember this term, uh, and I, I can't remember exactly what the, the acronym was that we used, but what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? You know, and again, we've talked about this before, but uh, if we don't have that common purpose, whatever it may be, then I don't know that we can develop that vision of us living up to that purpose. And and more and more, like back in my day, Lugo, I, I mean, I, I am a little bit older than you, but back in the day, the Japanese were worth better than us. If you worked for Nintendo, you worked for Nintendo all of your life. In my day, my my dad worked for, uh, it was called D-Pack, they eventually uh, closed up, but uh, that's who he worked for, and that was it. That was his identity, pretty much, although I'm not sure that that was good necessarily but that was in case in, in fact he was the guy at dpac he uh, when they closed down he went to southside he was the guy that worked for southside and southside was his organization organization he was a part of it so you know and nowadays and, and i don't know what the numbers are but i gosh not long ago i read where you uh, i'll say normal uh, the average i guess of a youngster 
He is like staying in one place for three years, four years, five years, and then moves on to a totally different place. You know, where again, back in the day, I was, I'm going to work for the, the, the government. I'm going to work for this company for the rest of my life. And I don't think that happens anymore, does it? Well, has there ever been a time in the history of mankind that the uh, what's in it for me is uh, has not been at play? Well, the answer is no. We are all humans. Uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, starts right there. The safety, you know, and uh, and then not not everybody rises to the the point of. Uh, self-actualization. Not everybody's there, and some people are never going to be there their entire life, right? And so you still have to build an organization. You still have to be, you know, feel, uh, get to objectives. And everybody's going to be motivated by different things. That's just that's just the the nature of people. But that kinds of that you know that kinds of motivation also unite people. And people join an organization in many places because yeah, for many reasons. But most of the times, if they know that their values do not align with the company, they'll find out very soon and they leave, right? And that is normal. Now, in regards to your question about uh, uh, your question about the the generations, well, uh, yes, it is it is true. Uh, it, we say that generations are known for many different things. I was actually, it's interesting because one of our, as we were doing some uh, a road mapping uh, for some organizations, uh, we one of the discussions we had was the generational workforce. And the reason for that is because as we are looking into the future and we're building uh, these things, uh, th these roadmaps, we got to understand that the people that we begin to hire have different values than the older generation. And so we went through four generations, right? We went through the baby boomers, the the Xers, millennials, and Generation Z. And we saw the differences between the two, right? You're talking about boomers uh, between 1946 and 64. And then obviously one of the things that we know about them, very strong work ethic. Just You mentioned in their loyalty and experience, that's very good. Right after that became us, me, Generation Xers, Right, those born between sixty-five and nineteen eighty, depending on the survey that that uh, or the study that you work. But what what motivates them? Well, they you know they 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 value adapt adaptability, and they're known for that. Right, for that they have tremendous leadership skills in the workforce today. These people they they are your leaders, and uh, and they adapt, uh, and and they have a good balance between traditional and digital work environments. They can they can do that. And then, of course, after that, you got the millennials between 1981 and 1996. What do we know about millennials? Well, we know that they are tech savvy. Uh, some of them are retiring already. So some people are like, oh, those millennials. Hey, we don't talk a lot about millennials because we already know some of these guys are already. <laughs> they are retiring. Okay, so if you're just thinking about millennials now, you're a little behind the power curve. Tech savvy, value, flexibility, and purpose in their work. So these are the people who are looking for a purpose. Uh, they uh, and they are their their dominant uh, in in the workforce. And then the rising stars right now, the Generation Z, those between 1997 and 2012. And what do we know about them? Uh, well, we call them digital natives, but I think that is a a, a misnomer. 
although they are they're digital natives because they were born in a very digital world, a lot of them do not understand the consequences and the power of the technologies that they have been webbed in. And so that's where most of these generations can help. But they're highly entrepreneurial. Uh, they prioritize inclusivity and social issues, and we see that. And so that's a that's a good thing. So all of them uh, have different uh, ways uh, of of seeing. But I don't want to say that that is bad. I would just say that whoever is a leader needs to be aware of those things and and may have to adjust the leadership style, so so we can build a common vision. And when I, either we build it or we agree on, on living in one of those visions that are being built right now, because uh, as much as we think about uh, about building this vision, the truth is that most likely you will be living in somebody else's vision. And within that world, you're going to have to make some adjustments so you can just basically craft your space in there. And that's, and that's very important. And and obviously, us as leaders had to figure out or, or, or work through the strategies that we're going to need to manage those futures and those generations in those futures. And as, as you mentioned, uh, leadership style, Lugo, it, it reminds me of uh, because we both were in what we called professional military education. We were uh, PME uh, instructors, teachers, leaders, whatever. Um, it, it used to be, and I don't know if they still do, but I think it's a, uh, it's not the smart thing, but we used to teach youngsters, and that would be you at that when I was teaching you, when yeah, you are the, sec <laughs> the second generation. But we used to teach people to develop their own their own leadership style. But if you only have one leadership style, you're uh, you're going to be neglecting a lot of people because that doesn't work for everybody. And I think the younger people, you know, they're they, well, and that we've, I think we've talked about this before. If you're going to communicate with someone, you have to communicate on their terms, not your terms. Maybe you understand. There's a probably, well, even in our language, you and I, uh, in, in Puerto Rico, you say some things that are not the same in Mexican, in Mexico, New Mexico. We may say maybe, maybe the same words even, but they're different. They, they have different meanings. Um, uh, so if we're going to, a, a leader is going to, if he's going to, he or she's going to be effective, better know other leadership styles or have some, not that you, you're, you know, we're always prone to something. We, we, we like something more than we don't, than we do other things. But if you got uh, four, four generations, uh, me as a boomer, I better know how to speak to the other three generations so that I can communicate with them. Otherwise, uh, you know, the, the worst they can do, I, well, the best worst, I'm not sure. I'm talking to a follower and they're nodding their heads. Sure, chief. Yes, yes, sir. I understand. Yes, yes. And inside they're saying, what the hell are you talking about? Because I'm using the wrong uh, communication style, the more uh, different words than they're used to. So I think a leader's got to remember that. You got to be able to adjust. And we remember we used to talk about uh, your, your, um, your uh, leadership toolbox. There's different ways and you're going to have to adjust uh, person by person. Well, I think everyone needs to first understand why they're communicating, right? In purpose, this case, purpose, right? Purpose, right? So, purpose. Why, uh, right? So, and then, then once they understand that, they understand the implications of their communication. In this case, we're trying to 
roadmap, a vision, right? Uh, we're trying to figure out where we're going. And, uh, and the truth is the leader, most of the times, as much as we want to say, and some of these books are extremely outdated, in my opinion, in regards to leadership, uh, they talk about, well, the leader sets the vision. Well, somewhat, somewhat true. Right? It's not an absolute. We understand that. The leader has to work within a context. And so that's how you build a vision uh, and that within that context. And, that, and that's what we're trying to uh, talk through this process, right? And so if I'm trying to build uh, my vision within certain contexts, I need to understand that the part of that context is how people communicate what they see. And they may be seeing something that I don't see it, and and then we have to get together to understand how that looks like. Yeah, and and what I think what you're getting to is uh, there's a process for doing this. That, didn't you just say that uh, about 20 minutes ago? And then we got off on the, talking about how great I am, how great you see how you <laughs> see me as a great leader. Didn't did we do that, Lugo? I I think I think you. You're seeing, you're hearing things there that uh, <laughs> that that got to do with yeah, baby boomers. Yeah, you know, See, it's I, a generational I, thing. Work ethic is great. <laughs> you know, they're adaptable. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think we should talk about that in the next one. Uh, what is the process? What is the process? Okay, we got the, the our our listeners primed so they okay where's the process what's the process what's the process they're all they're at the edge of their seats Google, like i am i want to know <laughs> we'll talk about it next week let's do it thank you for listening we hope today's topic connected with you and help you reflect on the work leaders do to get out of a narrow focus on one future and into a broader range of possible alternatives if you'd like to connect with us find us at leadersandfutures.com and if you would like to learn more about leadership and future studies, we have several programs to help you at the Institute for Leadership and Strategic Foresight. Until next time, be great. <laughs>